Today's episode is sponsored in part by Palo Alto Networks and its Prisma Sassy, where AI-powered innovation takes center stage. Watch the new Palo Alto Networks virtual event on demand to hear how the latest innovations in Sassy can help your organization. See how ZTNA 2.0, Cloud Secure Web Gateway, and SD-WAN deliver exceptional security and ROI. Watch on demand at paloaltonetworks.com slash engage slash sassy dash signature dash moment. Improve your network automation from one-off scripts only you can use to safe, robust automations you can share with your entire IT organization with Itential. Find out more at www.itential.com slash packetpushers. That's www.itential.com slash packetpushers. Welcome to Heavy Networking, the flagship podcast from the Packet Pushers, bringing you heavy conversations about network engineering since May 2010. And today's conversation is about an open source project called GitNops. Not, not GitOps, but GitNops, as in network operations. And our guest is Tom McGonigal. Tom, welcome to Heavy Networking. It's nice to meet you. Uh, Tom and I met at the New Hampshire NUG, the network user group meeting that we held uh, back in August 2023, and uh, and he told me about GitNops. Tom, welcome to Heavy Networking again. Uh, Tell the nice people out there who you are and what you do. Oh, thank you, Ethan. You know, just first of all, I just want to underline that. Thank you. This is a tremendous opportunity, and and it's such a great pleasure to be on Pack and Pushers. I just want to say very specific thank you. Um, I'm Tom McGonigal. I am a uh, DevOps-focused solutions architect, and uh, the DevOps part of my career has been 16 years. I was one of the, I, I describe myself as one of the first uh, people in Boston to jump into DevOps. And before that, I was a network engineer. I studied network engineering in, in graduate school, and I was focused on Wi-Fi. And I actually had the opportunity, Ethan, to build Wi-Fi networks for HIV drug distribution in Africa. And that's Oops. a particularly uh, neat part of my career. And I'd love to kind of talk about that in the, in the the on this podcast, but I, I digress. <laughs> that would be a fun story that um, I've, I've read up on some project, never been involved in a project like that, but uh, have read up on some of the challenges of uh, getting signal out in those places where there basically isn't any infrastructure. So that maybe that's a different show, Tom. We have that conversation. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm around anytime. Yeah. We want to focus on on your project, GitNops, today. So if you could condense it down to a single sentence, which is going to be hard, I bet. But if you could give me a single sentence summary of what GitNops is, what would that be? I, I would describe it as the application of DevOps principles, particularly CICD, to the field of network engineering. Okay, uh, the the application of DevOps principles to the field of network engineering. So that is, if I want to do so, so let me let me tell you what I think that means. You tell me where I'm right and wrong. I think that means infrastructure is code. I think that means things like version control. I think that means things like I'm not actually touching the switches directly, I'm describing state and some kind of a system is putting that state into the system, things like that? Those are all perfect. But the only thing I would add is the collaborative uh, development of the network configurations, right? So you know, Git is in the GitNops name. So you're leveraging the source of truth and it provides this incredible you know, powerful collaborative opportunity that the, the software developers have been leveraging for, you know, N number of years, right? You know, last, how long, hold this, get, I, I can't remember, but, uh, you know, even before that source code, right? You mentioned version control. It, it, that, that collaborative aspect is really cr- kind of critical, right? It's, it's a big part of it. Collaborative as in not one network engineer that's making all the changes, but a group of network engineers that could work together on the code base and then, uh, push those changes into production over time, more of that collaborative development approach. Exactly. And I just introduced, you know, the ability for multiple eyeballs on a particular change, you know, we can talk about it, but there's a workflow that provides all the opportunity to create something called a pull request. And so before that, that pull request gets published, you know, you, you have a second set of eyes looking at the configuration, making sure that it's accurate, making sure that the consequences are intended. And then once we kind of get that code, into a version control system like Git, we have the and, and we wire up a CI/CD process. We have the ability to do QA on the, that code. We have the ability to do linting. We have the ability to do uh, quality control on that process on that on that code as part of the workflow, right? As part of that CI/CD pipeline. So the the old way we would have done that workflow would have been the change control process. So I, I've been involved in many change control processes where typically I'm one of the people that's inspecting someone else's changes and putting my stamp of approval on it before it goes out the door. 
well, I'm a human and I'm fallible and I can look at some proposed code change for uh, a router, let's say, and go, yeah, that uh, that router OSPF paragraph change is going to be fine, and, but maybe I'll miss something. Whereas if I could automate that and put that through uh, a linter and put that through whatever other sorts of tests that I would want to put it through, the computer is never going to make that mistake. Uh, software is not going to make that mistake if it's been if it's been coded appropriately, uh, which means the process of verifying a change before it goes into production becomes more robust. Perfectly put. Something I think we can talk about today is what impact is generative AI or AI in general going to have on CICD, particularly for network engineers? What can AI possibly do to improve the quality of those configs and those changes? You know, could it discover that you know, there's a typo or that there's an extra space or, you know, those are kind of low level linting things. But what if it was holistically looking at a config, you know, with the rest of the configuration, with the rest of the network in mind and determining that it makes sense that it, you know, like what are those possibilities? Right. That's a tougher, tougher piece of the puzzle for sure. That, that specific mm -hmm. thing, that change in the context of the larger system uh, is, a, is a, well, we're, <laughs> we're already getting far afield, Tom. Uh, I want to mm. back up a step here. So there's going to be a mix of people listening to the show, people that are deep into automation and people that are really starting their network automation journey or aren't into it at all. Um, and we've said DevOps, we're talking about CICD and pipelines and Git and version control and so on. So if we back up a minute, what DevOps concepts do I need to have a handle on as a network engineer before I'm going to be able to get my head around GitNops? Frankly, I think we need to back up even further. So I'm going to give you Tom's definition of DevOps. And so Tom's definition of DevOps is that it is a technical and cultural focus on teamwork in the software delivery mission. And I came up with this very early on in my DevOps kind of path. And I, I mentioned earlier that I've, I've been doing, uh, I've been focused on DevOps for 16 years. And, you know, when I give that definition, I can give it again, but when I give that definition, no one ever has a problem with it. Everyone kind of says, oh, okay, you know, the mission focus, the teamwork, that really kind of makes sense. And then, so, you know, if we, if we just kind of use that as our umbrella, so we're, the, the intent of GitNops is to increase teamwork and the mission of delivering high quality networks, right? And that's the mission. It's, you know, the mission of all of us listening to the you know, this, this podcast, it's the mission is deliver those high, high quality uh, networks. Right. And so, you know, to answer your question to it before the importance of continuous integration and continuous delivery. And, and, and I'm just going to pause and just see, you know, if we can maybe kind of talk about CICD in, in the context of GitOps now and to see if you have any questions about it. Well, we got to define that. So, you know, continuous integration, continuous delivery uh, typically involves a pipeline. And so describe that process for people who are not used to using a pipeline to deliver a change to a networking environment. What does that look like? For, for CI, it really is about building and testing your quote unquote code. And then with GitOps, that code is config. Right, it's, it's network configs or uh, Postman configs if you're interacting with APIs or Terraform uh, HCL HashiCorp configuration language if you're using Terraform or Ansible YAML or you know shell script or whatever you know. So, so part of GitOps is it's incredibly flexible. It can support any actual tool that you're using to interact with your network, and that includes the breadth of things. In, in terms of GitOps, you're building that configuration. You're gathering it up from the the Git repository, and then you're doing the most important part, which is actually delivering to production, which is the continuous delivery, the CD. And in my, in, in my GitNops, it leverages a Kubernetes cluster living inside your management land, right? So we, we talk about this at that New Hampshire nug, right? And so from, from my design, you have a Kubernetes cluster and that's where the, that's where the Ansible or the Terraform or the Postman lives and, and, and interacts with your network, right? So it's it, inside your management land, it's communicating across your management interfaces to configure and command and control the devices. And so in our pipeline, we're, we're using Git, then we're, we're, we're gathering up the, the configurations and we're shuttling down, them down into this uh, Kubernetes cluster and then containers inside the Kubernetes cluster are running that Postman script or that Ansible script to interact with your network devices. 
Well, so so we described GitNop's architecture is really what's happened here. Um, and there, there are going to be people that, that you just intimidated them, Tom. You just intimidated them because they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to know all kinds of stuff about CICD pipelines. And now I got to run the thing on Kubernetes. What is happening right now? Uh, <laughs> but I think the answer <laughs> is we can, you can't, you can't, don't be too intimidated because there's a Kubernetes cluster. Well, that's just the platform upon which the containers that do the reaching out to the devices and implementing the uh, the configuration changes that just happens to be where they live which gives us scale and some robustness and i'm imagining once this is set up it's not like there's much care and feeding of kubernetes going on and you might have a kubernetes cluster already in house that you could run this on tom or or would you recommend a kubernetes cluster that's dedicated just to gitnops yeah, it's really either. So, you know, the the, uh, the the Kubernetes cluster, as you described, is really just the runner. You know, with with my GitHub based GitNops uh, in its current form, the uh, the Kubernetes cluster is running the GitHub Actions, which is a CI/CD platform from GitHub, and then GitHub Actions runner controller is that piece of software that's running in your management land. And so the runner is part of that, that actually product name, right? It's just the runner. Like, like, as you said, it's like in practice, it's not bad at all. It's just like a little, it's just a little uh, like, like application runner, but it, you have the benefits of high availability and scalability. You, know, you have the benefits of this really kind of bulletproof Kubernetes uh, system for running your configuration tooling, you know, whether it's Ansible or once again, or Postman or Terraform. And, and, and so that, that's really the benefit is that you're, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, like you said, like you don't have to have that much uh, Kubernetes knowledge to, to interact with GitNops. There's, there's, it's not, not a requirement, but we're, we're leveraging Kubernetes because of its uh, maturity and its scalability and reliability. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's walk through an example here then. And uh, for people who are a little mired down in terminology, let's help them visualize this by walking through a simple example. So let, let's say I want to apply a standard NTP configuration, you know, very, very straightforward, not that many lines of code. And I want to apply that standard NTP configuration to a group of uh, routers and switches. Walk me through how I'd use GitNops to accomplish that task. So, so in my, in my, um, Kind of most basic example, I use Postman. So let's, let's say the, the routers or switches have an API interface, and you can interact with that API interface with Postman. And so uh, Postman, the corporation, actually makes a very nice little teeny tiny uh, container for Postman. And then you, you store your configurations in the Postman interface, and there's, it's all really, really well done. And I actually have examples of this in uh, my gitnops.com repository so you can you can go you can go see this mm-hmm. so so quick question then um when you say we're going to use postman to make those api calls to make this ntp configuration change if i'm used to doing things at the cli and writing something at the network operating system command line to deliver that ntp and now you're telling me api what does that mean as far as as far as this Postman configuration, do I have a bunch of API calls that I've written instead? That's, that's exactly it. So, so to take a step back, so if you're if you're used to logging in and and you know shelling into the switches and, and making that NTP configuration, you're, you're changing the NTP server. What I'm saying is that a more you know forgive me, and I, I think this is open for discussion, but a more modern approach is to leverage the APIs from the vendor, right? So the APIs. Switch vendor actually has gone through the effort of exposing an application interface. That's what API stands for, an API application interface for you to interact with. And and the the benefits for me primarily are scale, right? You just have to write this. You have this this automation capability. You have this you know you have this ability to interact with the fleet of switches in your network from a centralized location. For example, in, in the GitOps design, we have the Kubernetes cluster, and you have this ability to automate and interact with those switches in a much more scalable fashion. You know, logging into, I would argue, logging into all those CLIs, all those switches throughout that process is, you know, for, forgive me, but I'd say it's wasted, right? You know, it's 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 too intensive. It's too labor intensive. I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I, APIs are the way to go. And uh, typically from a vendor these days, you can expect the API to be well-documented, easy to understand. It's Certainly better than the SNMP days, Tom, where you were trying to do some mm. kind of an SNMP call to some esoteric uh, MIB OID that maybe did or didn't do the thing that you wanted it to do. Th- those days are really past. APIs tend tend to. It's not certainly <laughs> certainly not a given, but they tend to be well documented and more logically structured too. So if you want to deliver a particular kind of change, you can you can get that done. 
So, okay, so I'm going to be writing a series of uh, presumably uh, post commands that Postman is going to deliver for me to deliver my NTP changes. Those commands are now living in where I wrote them. Uh, how did I write them? How did I create them? Are they a text file somewhere, Tom? That post command that you're referring to, that HTTP post, it, it, is, is developed within the Postman uh, utility. So, uh, so there's actually a web interface, but whatever. So, you know, I use the desktop version. So, there's a desktop version. And I think it's an Electron app, and so it's you know kind of a there's that parity between the web or the desktop app. And you define that post, and you define the content of that NTP change, and then you store it and you save it, and it gets saved in a Git. Uh, repository in in the postman uh, website right so so in the postman company they, they actually have they're leveraging git and then that uh, postman collection is interactable and is, is 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 able to be pulled down by the postman uh, cli tool that's running in that docker container in my kubernetes cluster in my management land and so for the postman for example um i, I think this is kind of an important thing to make sure you know i'm very clear about so the postman is stored in Git. The postman collection with the post message is stored in a Git repository and then is pulled down at runtime when you run the postman container. And, and that's analogous of whether you're using Ansible or whether you're using Terraform or whether you, you're, you're using um, like some other tooling to interact with your switch. And so you're always going to be storing the actual configuration that you're trying to implement that you're running in a git repository that's a, i think that's a major piece to understand that that's across any tooling that you that you decide to use and so i think i think postman has a, the extra road bump where there's like a postman git repository but most of my other like my ansible code and my terraform code that i have up in the gitnops.com website is stored in github right but they're analogous right the postman git repository and the uh, for, for the collection and the terraform code that i have up in, in gitops.com are both stored in a git repository so you, you go through the process of, of of creating that configuration no matter what tooling you're deciding to use and then you store it in a centralized you know, quote unquote, source of truth, which in my design is Git. Let's pause the conversation for a message from sponsor Palo Alto Networks. 2023 is a year when companies are going to need to do more with less. As businesses grapple with economic uncertainty, it's more critical than ever to consolidate fragmented security and networking solutions to reduce operational complexity and costs. Palo Alto Networks has a new virtual event on its Prisma Sassy, where AI-powered innovation takes center stage. You can watch this event on demand and see how ZTNA 2.0, Cloud Secure Web Gateways, and SD-WAN deliver exceptional security and ROI. Hear how the latest innovations in SASE can help your organization automate costly and complex IT operations with AI-powered digital experience management, connect and secure branch offices and the hybrid workforce with SD-WAN, ZTNA 2.0, and Cloud Secure Web Gateways, and unlock better ROI through consolidation of point solutions with Prisma SASE. Watch this event on demand at paloaltonetworks.com slash engage slash sassy dash signature dash moment. That's paloaltonetworks.com slash engage slash sassy dash signature dash moment. And now back to the podcast. All right. So, so we're starting to get the picture here. Rather than an individual device having this huge configuration, that's the one. We're thinking about it more broken up into, into functions. Like NTP would be like one thing in my Git repo that I'm uh, doing the care and feeding of, as opposed to maybe we used to think of it as this device has this very long configuration with all of these different attributes. Now we're thinking about it more like this one, this is my NTP standard that I'm going to deliver across all devices. Is that a, the more the right way to think about it? I think so. And so I think it's arguable which one is better. Uh, GitNops does support, you know, that, that monolithic configuration or the, the little bits but you know what you what you could do is you could have the little uh, functions as you described the little bits and then gather them all up together into a, like a, a larger configuration you know where you're basically calling each of these apis and then you could have logic you know like with gitnops you can actually put logic if this then that you know when this what do that you know you have, so, so there's more flexibility i'd argue than that monolithic configuration but um I just want to say, I, I, I do agree. I think, I think that's the better approach. Okay, so back to our NTP example then. So uh, I think we, we understand now there's uh, an artifact that Postman in this case is going to deliver for us as we've been talking through the example, make a series of API calls and enforce my NTP change. One detail on this, 
where am I storing the IP addresses for my NTP servers, or perhaps the FQDNs for the NTP servers that I want to use? Are those separate from the calls and they're pulled in as variables, or do I store them all as one big blob? It's really kind of dependent on, on GitHub Actions. So GitHub Actions has this ability to define those variables in the GitHub user interface. And so you have this ability to to define those variables and and specify them in, in, in quite a few different ways. But, you know, the kind of the prototypical way is that there isn't a variable for a particular repo. So, you know, like, so, so, so let's say this project to configure all the NTP servers was its own repo. There would be repo level variables for those NTP servers. Like let's say there was three NT, or two NTP servers and those would be at the repo level. And so like I, what I'm bringing up, you, you brought up like a really, really important piece. And, and I just want to kind of underline that is that, you know, because we're talking about code, right? Because we have these, these modern kind of programmatic coding techniques that come from software development, there's a tremendous amount of flexibility, right? You could engineer this a thousand different ways, you know, our, and all of them would be would be interesting and, and, and appropriate, right? And and so you have this ability to to glue together these different pieces because you you because it's so um so flexible and, and that 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 expression in in uh is described as composability, which refers to you know, things being Lego blocks, right? So you know, Lego blocks are composable. You can snap them together into a ship or a boat or, you know, or, or an airplane or whatever. And so that's really one of the, the main benefits of, of, of this kind of approach is, is is that flexibility to get your job done, right? And to get it done quickly and efficiently. Okay. Um, so we, we have a process now that's going to actually trigger the change to be made so it'd be one thing to write the postman post statements have them as an artifact and we know that they're going to get executed but talk to us about the github actions component that is uh what i what i believe i understand is that that is the piece that would be triggering the change to be made and uh, delivered to production walk us through that piece yeah, so I think that's an important part. So really one of the, the, the tremendous benefits and, and, and GitHub Actions uh, CICD tooling has become a very, very po uh, a popular tool and very, very quickly. And it's displacing some of the other CICD tooling. And really, really for me and my perspective is what, what gives it that that, like, that kind of uh, awesome advantage is that, you know, like, like it has this um, this ability to be aware of the changes to the Git repo, and that's a, a tremendous advantage for uh, GitHub Actions. Where if you if you issue a pull request, that could kick off the uh, the, um, the 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 GitHub Actions runner uh, container that 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 uh, that that activates a Postman script, or you could do it with a commit, or you could do it with an you know like like a, a webhook, right? So so GitHub Actions supports seventy different. Uh, events, if you will. So it has uh, 70 different events and that, that includes, you know, an, an email or a webhook or, or, or tie, you know, so you have this ability to tie together um, this really uh, uh, powerful system that is triggering these changes to your network based on what you, you know, what you feel is relevant. And so, mm -hmm. well, it, it feels like, um, uh, it, uh, hopefully this isn't demeaning, but if this, then that, or Zapier, um, uh, there's yeah, some exactly. kind of an action yeah. that triggers yeah. some other series of events to occur. It feels like yeah, that's, that. a, that's a great analogy. And, 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 and that, that approach, um, you know, has, has, has been, uh, kind of circulated lately as, as the next approach, you know, this event driven, uh, architectures is, it's really kind of the next approach to, to modern automation, right? And and it, like I, I've seen it very very clearly with, with the GitHub Actions tooling, um, those seventy different events are are, are really a powerful uh, aspect of of GitOps because it's leveraging GitHub Actions, right? Okay, so then to deliver NTP, I could it could be as straightforward as I do a commit which uh, updates. The NTP artifact, let's say, that's in my GitHub repo, right. GitHub Actions notices that commit, and now some series of actions takes place. 
you know, or, or you know, that example you gave before, the, the NTP variable, right? So so we, we've decided to stop using our, our current NTP service, and so we're going to use a new one because for a variety of reasons, and then uh, and then you just make that update, and then it just pushes, and then, you know, you can just kind of walk away. You know, there's like, you know, depending on how confident you are, you know, just those the change would propagate throughout your network. It would be, uh, you know, I had a, a boss that always had this kind of weird expression, it was sweetness and light, right? You know, it's, be sweet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So let me uh, let me complicate our NTP illustration a little bit further and uh, say I've got multiple kinds of devices that need this change. It's some some Cisco boxes and some Arista boxes and some Juniper boxes. And, you know, it's not going to be the same code artifact or the same API calls in this case to accomplish that task platform to platform. How should I think about approaching that? So I think you're bringing up a kind of an interesting point. So. You know, between those those different devices, they would have different APIs, and so you can't necessarily, you know, you have to kind of dig into it. But you you might need multiple Postman scripts for each of those different devices. But that's really the limit, right? Everything else about the architecture is the same, right? So the workflow, the the concepts, the eventing, you know, they mentioned you mentioned a commit, right, to the get repo. All that stuff would be the same. That variable, right? That variable would be the same, you know. And so really, really, that that's kind of um, but, but, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, I'd love to talk to you about it. I mean, is, is like, do you find your listeners really kind of struggling with the the APIs and, and the differentials between all the different vendors? Or, I mean, that's always been a thing, right? Um, do, do you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, multi-vendor, yeah, everybody's dealing with multi-vendor. Even if you're a Cisco shop, you're multi-vendor effectively because there's different operating right. systems uh, that you're dealing with, different ages of the network operating systems that you've got. So different flavors of the APIs that you might have, if you have an API at all. Uh, there's going to be some cases out there where there's devices that don't even have an API. So yeah, I mean, you do have those challenges that that are there. It's just the reality of dealing with uh, a network that's grown over a period of years. And sometimes you're dealing with stuff that's 10 years old. Uh, I mean, getting to be rare, but uh, that network equipment lasts that long time, you know, but uh, still... You've got, you don't know what is sitting out there in front of you that might need to be handled in a, in a variety of ways to be able to effectively interface with it. We can't assume API and we can't assume if it is an API, what the calls are. And we can't assume if it's CLI, um, what the stanzas are, which can vary again. Cisco is the classic example. Even within the Cisco world, you've got several different operating systems you're dealing with. You know, that was kind of, basically, that was my hunch, you know, and I'm not aware of any tooling that uh, kind of does that translation or is good about that translation. And, you know, I put that out to your, your customer, I mean, to your listeners, if, if anyone knows, please reach out to me. I'll be giving my email at the end of this. But, you know, if, if there were, let's say hypothetically, they, that tool could be very easily wrapped in a container, which could be then leveraged with get get nops right um and so, so i think i think there's like a path forward but with, with you know like the current current get nops uh, implementation i am supporting terraform and ansible and postman and shell scripting and you know various other tooling and um they all have that problem where the individual you know the, the different the differential between the different vendors uh requires different basically like uh configurations right and, and then that's based on the deltas right you know you know like um yeah, and, and like and we don't really have a, a good path forward, you know. And so that, that's something maybe we as an industry could start talking about. I don't know. I mean, um, I, I've been aware of it for a while. And it, mm-hmm. it would be nice if everybody used the same models everywhere. And I know within the IETF, uh, the, uh, the Yang models are being built now for pretty much any RFC that has to do with uh, something to do with network operating system configuration. There's a Yang model there for it. But how well the Yang models are uh, adopted by the vendors and implemented is a big question. And then just sometimes the inertia of the network operating system version you're on is, uh, you know, you don't get it unless you upgrade. Well, I can't upgrade because that it's too hard. You know, it's too disruptive or it's too risky by the deem too risky by the business, and so I can't get that feature. Uh, it's it's just it's complicated. You know, and and yes, vendor support is a challenge too. Um, and then, you know, of course, vendors have differentiated on automation within their own ecosystems and have kind of, everybody's gone their own direction and built their own platforms on top of their uh, their hardware as, oh, if you buy our management solution that does all this automation for you. Um, and, and so you end up with these these little walled gardens from vendor to vendor, which is a challenge with uh, within the world of network operation more broadly, for sure. 
so it sounds like going back to what what caused us to go down that rabbit trail. If I am in a multi-vendor network, which we probably all are on some level or another, I need to have in my GitHub repo code artifacts that support each platform I'm supporting. So I'd end up in my repo with different chunks of Postman code, let's say, if we stick with the API examples to support each platform I want to push this NTP change to, I would have my NTP servers themselves living as variables somewhere that I could populate into each of those code artifacts. I could do my commit when then have a GitHub action sitting there ready to go that would say, okay, NTP change, here we go. I'm going to push this change to these several kinds of devices then uh, have some kind of a device inventory that knows this this device is this sort of a switch and gets this particular bit of code and this other device is this router and it gets this code and and we go from there those uh perfectly put exactly okay a quick sponsor break courtesy of itential itential is the network automation platform you get to build robust self-service automation that is safe for your entire it organization now, if you've been writing your own automation, I'm guessing you've run into this problem. You have a directory. It's got a bunch of Python scripts or Ansible playbooks in it. And, and yeah, they're way better than CLI copy-paste. But who besides you can safely use those scripts or run those playbooks? Hmm, it's all a bit fragile. And that makes you irreplaceable. And that's not good. You want to be able to go on vacation or be sick or have dinner without getting a call. Which means you need a network automation system that is not fragile that anyone in your organization can use and that leverages the automation work you've already done. And Itential gives you all of this. With Itential, you'll be able to run your scripts safely as a workflow that integrates with your change management, your IPAM, monitoring, your ticketing system, and anything else that you need. True network automation. Not something that just saves you some CLI time, but something that touches everything that needs updating and testing when you make a network change. And Itential is low code. You don't have to be a software developer to use it. Whether you're just getting started with network automation or you're deep down the rabbit hole with GitOps and pipelines, Itential can help. Automate from ticket creation to ticket closure with Itential. Find out more at www.itential.com slash packetpushers. That's www.itential.com slash packetpushers. Okay, so there's there's some cl complexity to getting this all built, but then uh, the panacea we get to when all of that is built is this collaborative environment where we can we can write changes as a team. So someone in the Git model, I would be doing a pull request, let's say, because I am updating NTP server variables, uh, changing those IP addresses to be the new uh, servers that we want to use. And then some other human could um, approve that pull request and say, okay, and then do a commit. And it goes back into the, uh, to the repo as it mer gets merged. Uh, GitHub Actions notices that and then pushes the change and makes it be reflected. Uh, that, would be, that would be a rough feeling of how my network operations process would go for changes. Yeah, you know, I, I feel the need to kind of um, dig, dig, uh, dig into something. So... You know, when I when I said my definition of, of DevOps, it was really that you know I mentioned that that teamwork, right? And so one of the things, and I think it's I think it's kind of subtle that that GitOps provides is the ability for uh, not only network engineers to work in a more collaborative way, but network engineers to work with you know their constituents or their partners in development or database engineering, you know, because everyone's sharing the same you know source of truth that GitHub or Git based. Uh, repos, re those repos. And so, you know, in, in my vision, you know, I, I could see the network changes or the network configuration, especially in a cloud infrastructure, being, uh, being, help, being uh, captured in the actual application repos, right? So the application code and the network code would live together. The, you know, the, the you know, once again, that sweetness and light, the, the devs and the, and the network engineers would, would, would go hand in hand to production, you know, like, and, and there'd be visibility and communication and coordination between the two parties and stuff like, like, that was always my, you know, I'm, I'm being serious, Ethan, that was always my vision of DevOps. I'm um, smiling, you know? not because I'm, you know, uh, mocking this, but because I actually believe this too, and have advocated for this sort of an approach where, IT doesn't function as silos. Operations should not be distinct from, from development in that sense. 
There should be uh, something working together. DevOps shouldn't be a new silo and it shouldn't even be just a bridge. It should be uh, part of the glue that holds a team together that has common objectives and goals and so on. The application folks need to get that app uh, pushed out the door. They have pretty good knowledge of what's happening on the ops side and the ops side has pretty good knowledge of what's happening with the application and can make sure it's getting pushed into infrastructure that's going to deliver the intended result. Um, and I have worked in teams where that kind of communication was allowed and we were able to go back and brainstorm and get on a whiteboard and design the infrastructure platform we were going to deliver to. And it was very successful as opposed to some territorial managers that wanted to keep up significant walls between the different groups and would force everything to go through a ticketing system with a lot of ambiguity. I need VLANs. I can make you VLANs. What do you need them for? What are we trying to get done here? Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. blindly make VLANs. I want to design a system that's going to accomplish the goal that's intended here. So I, I, I'm with you. And it definitely feels, Tom, like a, a system like this maybe lends itself to that teamwork and collaboration more. Is that where you're going with this? That's exactly what I'm going with. So I've got kind of two thoughts. And so the first one is, is, is it's so important that that teamwork really is, especially with the cloud, right? You know, you have all these cloud objects and the networking between them is how they work, right? They're critical, right? And so, you know, I would argue, and this is, this is kind of back of the envelope, but, you know, that the right place for the those configurations really is with the application code. They're creating new application services and they're interacting with this RDS database and doing this and that, you know. And so the the network com, configs uh, really do kind of lend themselves to, um being inside that 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 repo and then my GitNops kind of art design you know has this ability to kind of suck those changes in and then make them happen in in the cloud or you know and that's that's true of a private cloud or whatever but i, I did i did want to say that what you described too is it was my vision for devops when early in my devops career i was working at booz allen hamilton and I, I was actually the creator of their devops strategy and it was based on american football and so american football is a team of individual specialists all working in coordination right and i called it gridiron ops right mm-hmm. and i got i got i got support for it and i, I tried fielding it and um, and that's basically a lot of my personal experience. You know, I, I played football for eight years, but um, just that teamwork, like you can't do any, you know, the, the expression, like if, if you want to go uh, fast, go alone, but if you, or whatever the expression is, but you know, you want to go, we'll go together is, is the point, right? And that's how you go farther, right? You know, and, and, and it's, you know, and, and it's just, it's so darn important. All right, Tom, let's, um, we, we kind of walk through NTP as a, as a basic example. So let's, let's reconsider GitNops if I want to do something, uh, well, let's put it this way. I wanted to manage all of my network con- infrastructure, all my configs, soup to nuts. How do I break down all of my devices and those individual requirements and fit them into the GitNops framework? And maybe this is about how I'm organizing code artifacts within GitHub. Do I have a bunch of repos that I organize in a particular way? Is it would get, if we go the route that we were talking about, not the monolith, but little chunks of code that accomplish certain things. This is my standard NTP config and my standard, you know, right down the line, whatever the routing configs and VLAN configs and security ACLs and so on. Um, do I break them all down uh, like that across a series of repos? Is there a, a recommended right way to do it? Yeah, so, so I'm going to get on my high horse for a second. And, you know, in, in my uh, my DevOps uh, experience and in my DevOps training and my DevOps uh, support of others, you know, like like like, like these projects, and, and I don't think people realize this, but they require a tremendous amount of refactoring. And so, you know, I, I, I have slides that say refactor, refactor, refactor. And what I'm talking about is, you know, there's no one good way to do it, right? And so you could do it the monolith. Um, that has its its problems, and you could do it. You know, the broken up. You know, one. You know, like kind of function or or per repo, uh, per function repo, per repo function uh, way that you kind of described. And you know, I, I think I think they they both have their positives and their 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 uh, their, their problems. You know, the, the multiple repos. Has has kind of an organizational problem, and you would need like a showrunner. You'd need some sort of orchestration, you know. And, and by the way, with GitHub Actions, it's very simple to orchestrate because of those eventing. But you'd still need something to 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 kind of pull together those those individual repos and fire them off, right? And and, and activate them. And so that's that's kind of a design um, part of it. But uh, you know, I, I think I'm just gonna kind of hedge our our, our kind of shark this question and say whatever works best for you mm-hmm. it, with the caveat that it's going to take rework and people 
you know, I just want to underline that, you know, I've seen in my career, people just get stuck in a design and then, you know, like it, it's going to take two weeks to refactor and they don't, but like at the height of my, um, early in my DevOps career, I was, I was very focused on Puppet. And, and that's when I had, uh, I was refactoring literally every day, even, you know, I was, I was rebuilding that architecture. And I did it for like a year. You know, I was rebuilding, 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 you know, every year. And, and that, that's really kind of my message. And I think it's an important message. Then let's come at this uh, a different way then. If we end up with a system that works right for you and you need to be willing to to, to refactor, to rethink how you're delivering that, that code and uh, re-architect it, then let's take on a more complex problem. Pushing an NTF config is about, it was like one of the most straightforward examples I could think of so we didn't get mired down in the network implications right. of such a change because that's pretty straightforward. Let's expand the scope of a change way beyond NTP. Let's say... I want to do a, a deceptively complex task, like like adding a VLAN. It sounds simple, but there's tons of things that are implied when you build out a new VLAN. You need an appropriate spanning tree configuration. You may or may not need a layer three first hop gateway. There might be an impact to security a a ACLs. Um, you're probably dealing with uh, with IPAM and uh, checking out, you know. Uh, registering your new VLAN and maybe reserving an IP block. There's a lot that goes on in a complex task like that. Can I use GitNops to do that sort of work? Yeah, so, so there's kind of a hidden, not quite subtle kind of aspect of GitNops is that, you know, it will make 80% of that scenario that you just described like really kind of easy and trivial. And then the 20% that's not easy and trivial will be pretty darn hard, right? And so my advice, you know, for anyone is to really kind of shoot for an automation coverage of 80%, right? So I've, I've been in, very focused on automation for 16 years and that's always been my advice. And I think it's applicable to this scenario, you know, like, like, let's, let's say tying together the spanning tree uh, configuration with, you know, the other, the other uh, kind of configurations is, is like, is like hard to coordinate or, or it's hard to kind of like, like, like tie those together. Like, like, just, just don't do it. Like, like just have a human do it, you know, like, like just, you know, have, oh, okay. have, have the, uh, have the, uh, um, the, 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 uh, GitHub, excuse me, the GitNops do the hard, do the, like the, you know, the, the, the coordination, the, the, the activities that are, are the most like, um, like not only easy, but most beneficial, you know, like, like, like have them do 80% of the product. You can get, you can get to that point really quickly. And then you as a network engineer, if you're focused on the 20% of the hard stuff, like that's, I mean, forgive me, but that's like a career uh, longevity, right? Like that's, that's like a good thing. Cause you know, you're focusing on, on the most, I mean, like, and then, by the way, like, like, you know, one of the things about GitOps is to get rid of the toil, right? And so if you're getting rid of 80% of the toil and you're focused on the hard, you know, like, like, um, not only configuration, but the hard work of the design and the architecture and stuff. I mean, like, like I said, that's, that's, that's career longevity. That's, that's a positive thing. That'll, that'll be, you'll, be, you'll have a, a nice career. You know? well, you, you, you've hit on something really important here, which is GitNops is not all or nothing. I don't have to manage every aspect of every network change through this system necessarily. The intent, I think it would be nice if, if as a group, you rallied around the tool. This was the standard way to do things, but then... When something more impactful comes up, that's uh, a significant routing architecture change, or you're, you're making changes to to layer two that are going to have ripple effects throughout the ecosystem because of the implications to spanning tree. Let's say you make those changes selectively by hand, and and that's okay. I'm not going to upset you know, GitNops as a system because I need to make a few more complex changes by hand, and but the bulk of them, you know, through GitNops, that I can split things up that way. You're saying, Tom. Yeah, I 1,000% I, I agree with that. And, and, and frankly, Ethan, that's a mistake I've seen people make uh, for years and years and years is they think automation is 100% a coverage. It's not. You know, it, once again, shoot for that 80% and and, 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 and it'll give you um, a lot of latitude, right? You know, it gives you, you know, being, you're giving yourself that buffer of the 20% harder stuff, stuff is useful, right? Mm, okay. All right, so here's another GitNups question for you. One of the things that uh, a lot of us talk about with automation is uh, is state and uh, intended state of the network as compared to, and that can be reflected in, um, I guess, my GitHub repo. That's the that's the my my truth. That's my golden configs. This is what I expect the network to look like. If I CLI into a switch and change the NTP server from the golden standard, and now it's got some different IP address. 
would is there a way for GitNops to detect that and push the intended state that is uh, the, the the golden config living in my repo and make it you know correct that cowboy change? That's a great question. So unfortunately, no, it's all top down. And when I say top, I mean it, like everything comes from the Git. Uh, repo down, right? So, so the CI/CD processes uh, go up to the Git uh, repo, and 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 then the the uh, the Postman scripts are are, are using that those rep- that repo configuration, and then pushing it out to the network devices. There's no there's no way to go back up, you know, from the bottom up, you know, from the device back up to. You'd have to have some sort of macro process uh, interrogate your network and create configs and then capture them and then put them into the, you'd have to create a different design, but it's a solvable mm-hmm. problem. If you, if you, you know, if, if you just want to capture the configs and like, like, first of all, I, I'm putting this question to you, Ethan, like, um, do you know anybody that is going like interrogating the network and capturing CLI configs and put, you know, like an old, like a, Get the you know show command and then and then and then putting that into Git you know is that like a is that an anti pattern I, I, I don't know about putting or? it into uh, Git necessarily but there's several commercial solutions that do exactly that yeah they they absolutely know the state of the network and will query it in real time uh, whether that's because the intent of the solution is to do this digital twin technology where you can have a you know, a virtualized version of your network that's as close to your actual network as possible because they're interrogating and modeling your actual network and then building it off to the side so you can do kind of lab and experimental work with it. Or it's because it is intended to be closed loop automation where the intended state lives in the configuration tool. It pushes that state in, you know, makes whatever the configuration changes are to reflect your intention and then validates that that is in fact what is running. And if there's a deviation, it can uh, enforce that change and, you know, clobber whatever the difference is and, you know, and bring it back to the intended state. I but those are all commercial solutions that do that, and there's several of them that on some they all have their specialties and different areas that they tend to play in. Open source solutions, nothing's leaping to mind. Um, doesn't mean that there isn't somebody doing that because it's it does get into a a bit of complexity. You know, it's a different pro- set of problems that you're solving, especially when you scale up. Uh, as soon as you do that, different processes you've got to run. You need to have a backend database repository and so on. So there. Anyway, there's a there's a rambly answer to your question, Tom. No, no, thank you. And so, you know, I feel like this is kind of an important uh, idea. You know, if, if you were to interrogate your ten devices in your network and you were to capture uh, those com- those configs and you were to put them in Git, you know, Git is a version control system, a VCS, and so you would have uh, a historical a historical record of of the changes that have been made to the network over time. And I think there'd be benefit to it. I mean, I, I actually have to think about this some more, but you know, I, th- I think it's kind of an interesting idea. Okay. So speaking of that, I have yet one more uh, question here. Let's say I push a change into the network and I use GitNops and that change doesn't work out for some reason I need to do a rollback. Is there a, is there a, a rollback process? Yeah, so, so this is something that we didn't really touch on is uh, the scalability that this design provides. So let's say you had a thousand switches in a network and that scenario happened. You could roll back in a blink of an eye because the Kubernetes cluster could support a thousand containers all talking to a thousand different switches and and, and you can roll back quicker. There's, a, there's actually a scalability and, uh, aspect to GitOps that we didn't really discuss yet. Um, does, does that scenario kind of make sense? And so, so you have this, uh, you know, the Kubernetes cluster is in the management land. It's outside of the uh, the network, you know, the 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 production network. And then uh, you have that ability, you know, to, to make changes very, very, very quickly with GitHub. I did not. Yeah, this is an important architecture piece that we missed that actually really, really matters. One of the big challenges you have if you're just doing like Python scripting, if everything's running through that one machine, running that one Python script. You're dealing with uh, a lot of waiting uh, and, and and dealing with devices in series, and there's not much parallelism that you can get. And so it could be very tedious and time consuming to push a change out to a thousand devices. You're describing I can run the same script in a thousand containers spread across my Kubernetes cluster, and I can have I can push a change out very fast, but I could also roll that change back very quickly as well because of the architecture. That is a powerful idea, Tom. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, I apologize that we kind of buried the lead, uh, but I agree that it is, uh, it is very powerful. It is very important about the, the, you know, and you described this, you know, accurately, the parallelization that you get with GitNobs is, is really kind of a critical piece. Mm. So then going, going back to the rollback scenario then, um, 
since I get some kind of version control with uh, with Git, I'm assuming I could revert from you know to a, to an earlier state in my GitHub repo and then push that change out. How would it actually work? Yeah, this is a um, you know at its simplest. Uh, it's just as you described, and so with with Git, you get you get various versions. So version one has uh, uh, you know X configuration, and then version two has Y configuration. Well, version Y configuration uh, didn't work, right? And and so you know it's up to the network engineer to to make a change uh, using the Git tooling to go back to version uh, version one, which has the, the configuration X, and then that gets proper propagated just just using the same mechanism and so you know you have like you have like the way, the way i would describe it it's like almost like a break glass situation right like you know like mm-hmm. there's a there's a fire alarm you oh you know oh my god the network's down break glass you know you can have like a like a like, a, like an easy button you know just, just revert you know like and it can happen like that it's a, that's a manual you could also automate it right so so you could have uh, some sort of um you know, little little uh, script making sure that pings work, and then pings suddenly stop working, and then so that's the break glass. You know, it's a, you know like, and then that's all kind of built into this like sophisticated uh, eventing system that I keep referring to that you get with GitHub Actions, right? So you could you could you could have that little ping script uh, call a webhook, and then that would be the break glass. And so it's highly automatable and or manual, if, you know, whatever you desire, whatever your heart desires, basically. In uh, another question here relates to testing. Is there a way that I can run some sort of test before uh, before GitHub Actions would push the change into production? You know, oh, that's a great question. And so, you know, in in modern software development, you know, there's, there's oftentimes a dev uh, cluster or a dev branch. You know, then there's a QA, and so that's what you're kind of referring to. And so, um, so you could have a QA network, right? And and you know, I, I'm kind of shy. I don't really know much about the digital twin stuff. It sounds like it's kind of in that space. I don't know much about it, but, yeah. but what I'm what I'm suggesting is literally a QA network. You know, like like you have you have a router and a switch in the QA network, and it worked on that one. So then we promote it, and then that's part of the depth, the CI/CD pipeline is you you develop it, you test it, you you do UAT. You, uh, I forget what that stands for, and then prod, right? So prod User is the prod assurance network. assurance or something like that. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And but you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is like. Um, this is a kind of a, a challenge with with computer with with, with network engineering, and I, I think I said this to you at, at the New Hampshire Nug. You know, de- uh, application developers, if they make a mistake, you know, they kind of do that rollback procedure with their code that I I, met, I mentioned before. If a network engineer makes a mistake, they get fired. You know, it's a different job. You know, but why aren't there more QA environments? You know, I don't know. Maybe do people do have them now? You know. Uh, well, it, the answer is it's it's virtual. Yeah, I mean, uh, most shops are not going to support having a physical you know, network. They couldn't anyway. You know, even the, you know, if you did just for the core, it'd be super expensive. And plus, you got to power those mm-hmm. monsters. Uh, and so the solution tends to be we're going to get as close as we can in a virtual environment of some kind. And there's some, again, there's some commercial products that do this, or you can just you know go with what a lot of the vendors are giving you in the form of a virtual network operating system and stand something up that's not going to be the exact same as what you're running in production, but is close enough that you can model things like routing configuration changes with a, with a good deal of confidence that it's going to reflect when you make that change, what the actual state of the network would be. And when you push it into production, again, not, nothing's ever exact. And, and sometimes the ASIC and a switch matters for a particular kind of change, and it can be difficult to test those things. But, but this is what most shops are, are going to do. They're going to have some kind of a virtual lab with virtual devices that simulate their network close enough and they run their test against that. Uh, it's it's the best we got right now, Tom. And, and actually that's no, no, technology no, 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 that's gotten I, I, a lot I, I, better over the years. But, you know, it just strikes me as so challenging. You know, that, that, that comment I made about, you know, what happens at our engineer, it's so challenging. And and I think, I think for me, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts, you know, it really does force that, that, that really fast rollback scenario, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's better to be able to break glass than maybe to be able to test. I don't know. Um, I, I'd argue that. Do you have an opinion? Mm-hmm. Well, the really fast rollback is a thing. Uh, in scenarios where I've needed to do a rollback, a lot of times there, depending on the nature and complexity of the change, you're actually building new dependencies into the network. And so rolling back, especially when it's three in the morning and you're freaking tired because you've been up for 24 hours straight getting ready to do this change. And uh, it's hard to think and you need to carefully 
pull back the change to get back to a known good state. And you have to do it in a particular order to, to get there uh, be, because reasons, you know, whatever the, the complexity of the change is. And it can be tedious and time consuming and especially difficult at that three in the morning scenario when you're exhausted to be able to hit the, you know, break, do the break glass thing and have the system that has everything in a repo that is known good and roll back to that and to have it happen very fast is super interesting because not only does it get the network back to a functional state, which from a business perspective might be very important depending on your time window, it also means if you've still got time in the maintenance window to keep working, you might be able to figure out what went wrong and try it again, knowing you've got enough time to back out as opposed to usually oh, a maintenance oh, that's so interesting. kind of one yeah. and done. You, you have a shot. If oh, it doesn't work, that. you go yeah. back, screw it. It's going to be another month or six months before you get to try the change right. again. I didn't get there in my thinking. That's, that's so, that's so uh, important, right? You know, so you have that extra hour. Let's give it another shot. You know, we figured out it was this, this particular bug right here, you know. Could be. Yeah, could be. It, it could because the, the thing that went wrong could be something so simple, just a, 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 a type, mistyped IP address or a forgotten uh, one line somewhere. That's as soon as someone sees like, oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Put it in. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Only typically you just don't have the time, especially if you're rolling everything out by hand and had to roll back. You might you might have time now to to to, to keep going and get that change in and that one little window the business gives you. Well, Tom, I got to the end of my questions. What haven't we talked about regarding GitNops that we should before we close off the show? You know, I um, I guess. You know, I just like to ask your audience. You know, if anyone is interested in this, you know, feel free to reach out. I'd love to uh, do a training. If anyone out there uh, is interested in this stuff, or if there's anything I can assist with, or if anyone wants to participate uh, and, and kind of take uh, take this take this on themselves, I, you know, I'm just here to help. Um, you know, in, in DevOps, there's the, um, the tenants of DevOps, and there's the cams, right? Culture, automation, metrics, and sharing. And I, I'm a strong believer in sharing. And you know, that's, that's really my intention for being here is, is just to be uh, share this idea and, and hopefully uh, uh, get some feedback, I guess, you know? So GitNops is a free open source project, right, Tom? Yep. Correct. Yeah. So, um, um so it's really kind of a framework and it's, it's gluing together the, the GitHub uh, tooling into it and the application of those DevOps principles to, uh, to, to network engineering. And, and so, um, you know, I just, I would just love to uh, kind of move the needle on this. I, you know, I didn't mention it in my uh, intro, but I've, I've been working on something kind of similar since uh, like 2015, 2016, when I was at F5 Networks. And so this is a, very much a labor of love and I'm passionate about DevOps and I'm passionate about network engineering. And um, I would just love to, you know, as I described, just move the needle, just even a, a fraction, you know. So let's give people some URLs, Tom. Uh, gitnops.com would be a good place to start. Correct. Yeah, please. So gitnops.com, um, your GitHub page, we've got a github.com slash uh, McGonagall. Is that the right, right. Uh, place to go if they want to download the GitNops uh, source code and find some instructions on how to get this stood up on a Kubernetes cluster and so on? That's right. And so at gitnops.com, that's like a, a URL to my repo. So uh, so if, if you go to GitOps.com, there's like a badge up at the top. That'll bring you to the actual GitHub repo. Um, so it, it, it's, it's using GitHub Pages, the uh, the website sharing system with uh, GitHub. But uh, so GitOps.com is, is is perfectly is perfect. And then my personal GitHub uh, profile is available on GitHub.com/slash/McGonagall. Excellent. Uh, we're gonna have links to all of that in the show notes at PacketPushers.net for this show. Just uh, do a search on packetpushers.net for GitNops. It'll take you right to the show notes for this page and you can uh, find those links, uh, gitnops.com, uh, Tom's uh, GitHub page, and then uh, Tom's uh, Linktree uh, page with a bunch more resources there uh, for you. Uh, thanks, Tom. Um, just one final question for you. Are you, th this is a free and open source project that is a labor of love for you. Are you looking for mostly just folks to test it? Are you looking for collaborators to help you with further development? How, how can other people help you with this project? You know, I, I think, um, you know, I was I used to be a comic book collector when I was a kid and there was like a, a superhero team and there were the acolytes. And I think I know what that word means. So I'm looking for acolytes. I'm looking for people to take on this, uh, this, uh, this, like schema or this approach, you know, and, and like lean into GitHub, you know, lean into 
DevOps and, 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 and get people using it in network engineering. I mean, according to me, it's the last frontier, right? And so that's kind of my dream. Awesome. Well, Tom McGonigal, thank you very much for taking the time to be a guest on Heavy Networking today and share GitNobs. And thank you to you out there for listening all the way to the end. I know that some of this was was a bit abstract, but uh, you can if you can dive in and start working with this in a lab and start to make sense of how to do some of these changes. I tried to walk us through some steps with Tom to so you could visualize how this would work and get a change from something that's in your head to being pushed through the system and then actually into uh, production. So, the, but there's a lot there. There's a lot of pieces to it. You can find this and uh, many more of our fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That is all at packetpushers.net. That includes our newsletters, several other podcasts aimed at engineers like uh, Kubernetes Unpacked, uh, Full Stack Journey, The Network Break, uh, every week covering industry news, and so much more. And we are on LinkedIn these days. I was going to say follow us on Twitter because I have a habit of doing that. But I mean, Twitter's burning to the ground. We're watching it happen. It's a, it's a thing. And where we've been much more active these days is LinkedIn. So please follow us there. And of course, you can hear us on Spotify. And uh, yeah, take a minute and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate that. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>